Welcome to DER Weekends, where unlike the Detroit Evening Report during the week, focused on the news of the day, we spend some time with the people and places that make Detroit special. Sasha Ryan normally hosts DER Weekends, but today I'm taking over. Hi, I'm Nargis Rahman, and Tia Graham is joining me. Hey, Tia. Hi, Nargis. So tell us about the story that we're going to be listening to today. So this story, um, honestly... Number one is Fatima Haq, Bangladeshis in Michigan. She's a curator and fiber artist. She did an exhibit called Bangladeshis in Michigan uh, um, in the University of Michigan at Ann Arbor. And I thought this would be a great story, number one, to showcase and highlight individuals who are literally down the street from WDET, you know, not literally, but just around the corner, around the way, really, really close in space in terms of population density and where people are. And it's just like, why aren't we telling the stories about people who are literally around the corner? So I said, this is the perfect opportunity to tell this story, but it's also the perfect opportunity to have someone in-house who understands some of these perspectives, understands some of these narratives, and could give a little bit more of a personal touch to the conversation in a way that I know I couldn't bring to the table. So, And if you're wondering what she's talking about, um, Tia's <laughs> talking about me being Bangladeshi American, and <laughs> we really appreciate the opportunity to be able to bring these diverse conversations on air. Yes. So let's take a listen. Yeah, so today it's completely different. Just the landscape alone, you know, you drive down Conant Street, you'll see uh, in Detroit slash Hamtramck border, you know, you'll see lots of storefronts with Bengali signage, people um, talking in Bengali, like you can hear that in similar ways that you might hear in, say, like New York. Um, And you'd also be able to buy any sort of goods. You know, I remember um, my father was really a big fan of something called Shatkora, which is like a wild orange. And you couldn't find that in America. And when someone would go back home and would bring some back, like dried wild orange to cook with, I remember him one time just like kind of pleading with an auntie to like give him some because he missed that taste so much. It was part of like the region that he grew up in in Bangladesh. But now you can buy like frozen shatkora or wild oranges in the grocery stores with no problems whatsoever. There's also a lot of differences in terms of generational differences. So a lot of young people who have been educated here in America, there's an upward mobility in terms of socioeconomic status. So a lot of immigrant parents are moving out into the suburbs because their kids are buying houses for them in the suburbs and uh, their kids are, you know, taking care of them and helping um, them have like a retirement plan or greater establishment. There's also a sense of like a dual identity of I am both Bangladeshi and I'm American. Uh, especially for generations that are, grew up here. So what are some of the new things that you're seeing coming out of the Bangladeshi American uh, uh, community? I think that one of the things that, that's also documented in the exhibit is political participation. You know, parents are joining school boards, advocating for their kids. Um, young people are also advocating for themselves. So, for example, the push to have halal meals in schools that was generated by Muslim Bangladeshis as well as other Muslim folk in the state. And uh, uh, Cast Tech High School, you know, I remember there was a push towards having a day off because they had such a high Muslim population. A lot of Bangladeshi students, uh, they actually asked 
to have that recognized as a holiday and have the school off because uh, Eid is not considered as a holiday um, on the calendar. So just things like that where education and children and advocating for children have become like an avenue for people to engage um, politically. But I've also seen folks, uh, you know, go to their city council meetings and talk. In Warren especially, I think some folks talked about how they have been going to those meetings because they want certain things to be recognized in the city. So for example, whether you're able to play cricket in a field or host a festival or, or things like that. So I see people taking greater political and civic participation than ever before. So we've been chatting a little bit, of course, about the exhibit and uh, uh, the importance of telling different stories. So talk about highlighting stories that are not just immigrant stories, but also stories of Americans, because at the end of the day, we are all American. Yes, absolutely. I, you know, I think that one of the reasons why I really wanted to do this exhibition is partly because I don't, I didn't grow up seeing Bangladeshi Americans in the media and I didn't have access to written by Bangladeshi American authors and I didn't see art created about or for us either. And so part of that is just representation. I want to increase representation of Bangladeshi Americans. But another part of it is really just about like we should know who makes up our community. You know, it's a a good way to understand the other folks that are around us. Um, Michigan has you know, a huge number of Bangladeshi populations, over 25,000 folks, um, and typically concentrated in the Metro Detroit area. So for me, I think given that so many of your neighbors might be Bangladeshi and you might not know anything about them or their history, um, it, it would be such a cool opportunity to kind of see and experience that. And the exhibit will be open until December 20th and people can go. Um, it's free and open to the public and people can go see it. You know, I do. I love that. Uh, you know, you talked a little bit. You just you just highlighted or talked about just the idea of of, of representation. And oftentimes I think about it for myself, I think about it for you now, just, it just instantly went to my brain. But the idea of feeling as if we have to represent for our whole cultures, represent and yes. do the work. What is that? What, how do you move forward with that idea of knowing that you are in this position, that you are going to be a representative for your culture? It's uh, such a huge task, and I don't think it's possible for any one person. Um, I will say that I, I did the very best I could to try to collect a diverse array of voices in this exhibit. Um, uh, of course, it won't be everyone or everything, but I am hopeful that it shows so many different ways. I think like sometimes we stereotype immigrants as like working class or only here for like to do certain types of jobs, you know, and I think one thing that you'll notice in this is that a lot of early Bangladeshi Michiganders actually came here to to get their graduate degrees in engineering, um, you know, in medicine and other things. And so, so that's also a class divide and something that I think was, for me, really heartening to see because I grew up in a working class family. And so to try to capture a different type of Bangladeshi Americans was important. And then You'll also see, this is one of my favorite parts of the exhibit, is that I may not be able to represent everything, but I wanted to represent the types of clothes that people wear. So er, like every portrait has a slightly different type of clothing that the person is wearing, whether it's a sari, a salwar kameez, which is a traditional Bangladeshi 
um, uh, clothing that women wear, kurtas or frocks, you know, dresses, a suit and ties. Some people are wearing hoodies, t-shirts, caps, you know, and tupis, which you can see like Muslim men wear at, on top of their head. Um, so yeah, it's just like a variety of things. And hopefully this also is one way to capture like the, the diversity that you'll see around you. You talked a little bit about people around you and learning about the people around you. I find it interesting because I grew up in the Warndale community, which is around Dearborn and, and, and Dearborn Heights and Redford. So growing up for me, I, it was never out of the place, out of the ordinary to see people who didn't look like me. However, yeah. I had no idea who they were, where they came from. So I just yeah. saw other people, but I didn't know where you were from. I didn't know your, your country of origin. I didn't know your cultural background. I didn't know those things. If we could just go into it again, just talking about highlighting the people around you. So that way you can have a little better uh, understanding and empathy towards those around you. Absolutely. I mean, especially as uh, I've been at the University of Michigan for the last uh, decade, you know, um, and I've been seeing more and more Bangladeshi students on campus. When I went here as an undergraduate student, I was one of just a handful of Bangladeshi students on campus. And now I I see them everywhere and I hear like Bengali spoken around me. And so how people are moving, going from insulated communities that are kind of like situated in smaller chunks to all over the place, that's changed dramatically. And that also means that there's they're gonna experience either curiosity or ambivalence or even fear. And so I think anytime we can take the time to actually learn about the people around us, it's gonna help us better. And we might make a connection that is, you know, that is deep and long lasting and incredible and we might learn something. So I do hope that people become more curious and, uh, and learn about each other. That was Fatima Hawk talking with Tia Graham. So let's take a little dive into what we just listened to, Tia. What do you think? Well, number one, yes. But number two, I just kind of wanted to get a, a per, your perspective once again because you are Bangladeshi American. I didn't want to put you on the spot, but I also wanted to make sure that, you know, when you heard the story, you kind of was like, you know, yeah, yeah, I can actually understand. You know, I understand and I see something mm -hmm. in this particular piece. So I just wanted to know, like, what were your thoughts when you heard it? Yeah, you know, I really thought about the visibility of Bangladeshis in the public space. So growing up as a kid, anytime I would tell someone that I was from Bangladesh, people would look at me like, what's that? <laughs> and then they'd be like, you mean Indian? And I'm like, nope, actually, it's a little <laughs> country to the right of India, and it's a little itty-bitty country. And then they'd be like, oh, okay, whatever, right? But now I think that Bangladeshis are starting to make a, a lot of I think that now Bangladeshis are uh, starting to be more visible. And it's not only because that people all of a sudden just care per se, but I think it's because there's more generations of Bangladeshis. And as Fatima Haq was talking about, younger generations that are in the political spaces, they're going to school board meetings, they're asking their officials to make changes. Even in the restaurant industry, we're seeing that Indian restaurants, which are owned a lot of times by Bangladeshi owners, are 
coming out and saying we're serving Bangladeshi food and this is something we are proud and honored to do. So we're stepping out a little bit more into the limelight. And something like art is one of those factors in like South Asian communities. A lot of times you don't see people going into art like that's not a thing because our, you know, parents generation and the generations before that primarily came here for financial security. So really just leaning into the land of opportunities and trying to build something from scratch. So when we were growing up, there was a lot of emphasis on getting a good paying job. And so we joke about like, you know, our parents want us to be doctors and engineers, but there's a truth to that because they want to see us surpassing where they had to start. And so now the, these uh, this generation is finding that space and the ability to be able to create art from the foundations that our parents have laid. And even with someone like Fatima Haq, she's actually a professor, right? So it's like she did her time. She did. (laughs) And she's able to kind of lean into this artistic space that perhaps she didn't have the opportunity to do 10 years ago. And so when she was talking about that, it really made me think that uh, we're finally at a space where it's okay to create art, but we're, we're still really honoring our ancestors in the process. I mean, without a doubt, that's exactly what art is, is expressing yourself, expressing your identity, your culture, expressing who you are. And that also means expressing your Bangladeshi roots. So when I just listen to what you're just saying right now, I'm just digging to myself like, what for you, even for you and your space and place right now, you're doing something that is considered artsy, creative, out of the box, out of the norm. I mean, we're journalists. We love what we do, but we don't get paid top dollar. So therefore, we do this because we love to do it. And you're doing this because you have a space that you can actually create in. So when you talk about previous generations and then you're coming up as a new generation of, of women uh, right now, what does it feel like or, or just the what are you going through when you're just trying to carve out this new space for yourself? And it's kind of unknown. Yeah, that's a really good question because going to, you know, journalism school, I was one of the many minorities that felt like we didn't have a voice in media. And now in, in the generation we're in, we're not taking that as as we're not taking that as our measure of success anymore. And we're creating stories and we're telling stories that we've always wanted to tell. We're really leaning into that. And so for me as a Bangladeshi American journalist, it's important for me to tell stories that incorporate and include people like me, people who have, you know, traditionally been marginalized and underrepresented. Even just looking at Metro Detroit, we have really done a disservice in terms of keeping Bangladeshis in the news. It almost feels like this is a new, you know, group of people that just showed up a couple years ago and look at like all the cool things they're doing, but really we've been here. And so why is it that we have this disconnect between the stories being told and people being here? One of the reasons might be that people have, haven't have naturally found a way to connect with the Bangladeshis. Bangladeshis are, have really just been the, the mentality that you come here, you put your head down, you work hard, and you slowly make it up. But also because now as a Bangladeshi woman, I think it's a responsibility for someone like me who does have access to those spaces and understands what it's like to be behind the scenes and connect those dots. And that's the largest opportunity that I have. And sometimes it is a challenge because, you know, people often don't think they have a story to tell because they're just everyday people. But those are the best stories to tell because 
sometimes we find more commonalities than we might think, you know, that people are just different. And really, we have so much more in common, our love for food, our love for community, for connecting with others. We all want our kids to go to good schools. We all want, you know, safe government, those kind of things. And people don't realize that these are common threads. And then in Michigan, Specifically, you know, Bangla is such an important part of the culture, the language itself, because people in our country have fought to hold on to the Bangla language. And that's one of the reasons we've gained independence from Pakistan back in 1971. And so... When we see people still speaking Bangla today and having things like language uh, access and having resources in Bangla, having election ballots in Bangla, it just shows you that no matter how much you might assimilate into a, a country, and like Fatima was talking about, you're never quite American enough, not quite Bangladeshi enough. It's important to honor those traditions and cultures and things that we want to carry on to the next generation. We don't want to just forget everything about being Bangladeshi in the process. That is why I love to, I mean, I don't like to hyphenate and do the, the dual thing, but at the end of, of the day, like I say, we're, you know, we're, it's two different things going on here. We're not just, you know, you're not just Bangladeshi, you're 100% in America, 100%. You're a mix of both. And it's a beautiful blend that's being created, honestly, since the 70s when we started to see the first small pockets of Bangladeshi individuals coming in, families coming in, very small pockets. And then you think about starting in the 70s and then building out to where we are today. I think about just the generation that it took for you to start to do what you're doing, telling those stories. Because, you know, in the 70s, there weren't... Who was going to tell the stories? You know what I mean? So it took generations. It took uh, families to grow up and, and, and to send people to school and different things like that. It took a little bit of time, of course. But once that machine got in motion, I mean, like we just talked about, you're, you have a space now to actually tell stories and actually be a part of the fabric of communities that you all make up, which... Once again, like you said, always been there. It's not a drop. Oh, we just dropped right here and it's been established for five minutes. It's just like, no, this has been in the work for 40, 50, you know, 60 years. It's years and years and years of work. So just going back to the conversation we just were listening to with Fatima, I, I, I think about one of the things that stood out to me or I really love. I'm a clothes person. I love clothes. And she talked about this, you know, in the beginning, especially in the 70s and the 80s, having aunties and uncles go back home to Bangladesh, grab clothes and fabrics and so many different things that you can bring home, bring back to America because it just wasn't here. And they would sell them out the shops, out of wherever they could, just to make sure that everyone was okay. Could you talk about that community vibe that we were talking about a little bit earlier? And that's that, 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 that the community vibe that you all built and have there. And in the Bangladeshi community, I'm going to say, have there where? <laughs> <laughs> you know, and the, the thing is that one of the signs of how much Bangladeshis have been contributing to the economic growth in Metro Detroit is the clothing shops. And, like, I, <laughs> if you just drive down Conant Street, you'll see that there is probably at this point uh, half a dozen clothing stores and you can know that they're Bangladeshi by the display windows and how they have the draped saris on the windows and the salwar kameez and you just know that that's a part a sign of the growth of the community a lot of other things we have are those grocery shops that you mentioned and in places like Hamtramck in Detroit you know we there's a saying about like you can move from Bangladesh you can go grab your groceries now you don't have to learn English right away to be able to take care of your basic 
basic necessities. You can find clothing that's appropriate and be able to hold on to your culture. And I, I think even for the Bangladeshi Americans who grew up here, the most times we're visiting these stores is during Eid celebration when we want to wear something new or going to weddings. We like to freshen up our wardrobe at that time. But these are ways that not only are Bangladeshis like serving themselves, but they revitalize some of these neighborhoods. They've improved the business in spaces like Hamtramck in Detroit. And they're part of that American fabric of creating better, stronger communities. And so when we recognize that each ethnic group um, brings something to the table and they don't have to change their ways just to quote unquote contribute Mm -hmm. then you can see that there's so much more beautiful diversity by letting people be who they are Mm. so after listening to this interview with Fatima what is something that you take away from her story that you really feel like stands out in your mind for me just listening to the the story it was it's one like I was saying in the conversation just Growing up where I grew up, I grew up around so many different people, and it was always the umbrella of Middle Eastern. Or, you know, it wasn't even a, a, the addition of South Asian. It was just Middle Eastern. Like, that was just the umbrella term for any person that you saw in the city of De- or, you know, Detroit, Dearborn, that didn't look like you. So it was just like, I want to know more. I need to know more. I need to know who's around me. I need to not assume that this person's from this country or this region or this space or this place because of what I've learned in this in America. So listening to her, listening to her go through the background and the history and the community building and the relationship building and just, you know, the aunties and the uncles, it's just like there are so many magical things that are happening around us that we're not even noticing that are happening, things that are flourishing, people, communities, and to know who they are, to understand who they are, and to go into those spaces and places with a little bit more of an understanding and knowledge, it, it makes the world of, di- you know, it just makes the world a difference. So I just wanted to know more about people who are around me. And she did that. I mean, she helped me so much. So now I'm just curious and I'm hungry to continue to tell more stories, especially about the Bangladeshi community who, once again, right around the corner. But then just all about all the other communities that are just really neglected and underrepresented because, once again, I had no idea that Palestinians were a large part of my neighbors in my neighborhood. I had no—it just didn't hit me until recent events in the news and in the world. And I said, I didn't know who my neighbors were. And I felt really just out of place and just said, okay, I should know more about who's living next door to me and who's I'm going to the grocery store with and who I'm breaking bread with when I'm in the in these spaces. I should know. So that was just, I'm just determined 2024. I need to know. Yeah, and one of the places you can get to know more stories like this is ah! on our Detroit Evening Report. Plug. <laughs> so thank you, Tia, for bringing us the story. No, thank you for agreeing to sit down and just kind of open up with me about uh, something that's kind of important personal to you. Yeah, I, I um, always love to sit down and talk with you about these kind of nuanced conversations. And thank you, listener, for joining us for the Detroit Evening Report weekends. As always, if there's someone or something you think we should know about, drop us a line at DetroitEveningReport at WDET.org. Detroit Evening Report.